0: Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. It looked to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling, where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in a sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20x20 20 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even zubaz, then drop them a line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20 x the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool.
1: Fresh is the word
0: to the Word podcast. I'm your host Kelly K Fresh Fraser. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Maryam Sassi, who's a soulful singer, songwriter and MC raised in Algeria and escaped as a refugee to Canada back in 2000. She has a new EP out called All In that's been released on her Bandcamp. And, yo, it's a really dope, uh, EP. That's why I got in touch with her, because I wanted to, she had an interesting story. So, we talked about growing up in Algeria and what finally caused her to flee her war-torn, war-torn home to, uh, you know, go to Canada. She's a, you know, she's based in Montreal now. So, we talked about that and, uh, you know, her influences and about the her musical upbringing and about the new EP, yo. It was a really fun interview, man. She's, yo, She's a beam of light, you know. It's just mad. It's mad cool just to kick it with her for a little while and, uh, you know, chat about music in her life, you know. Before we get into that, there's a couple things I just wanted to address. Uh, yo, first off, is the the passing of former Georgetown basketball coach John Thompson. Like, this is a dude that, like, for the kids, for the people. Yo, for the guys that he taught on that basketball team. Like it was it was it was them as humans first and the athletes second, man. He saved so many young brothers' lives through that program. He um most notably, you know, he, you know, he coached Allen Iverson, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, um Patrick Ewing. Yo, like he changed these brothers' lives. He changed so many people's lives. He he uh, he was a coach that you know, he, you know he, he, he did it his way. He always did it his way, and he was. No matter what, you know he he You know. He could be a you know I bet he could be a bit of a hard ass, but that you know he, he was somebody who cared about seeing. People exceed, especially, you know, young black men you know, coming through the, you know, the Georgetown program, so, you know, he, he, you know, he changed so many people's lives, he blessed us with, you know, some of the greatest basketball players we ever saw in the NBA, you know, Allen Iverson's one of my favorites of all time, so, you know, just, you know, thank you, you know, you know, blessings to anybody who's been touched by, you know, Coach Tom, Tom John Thompson, man, because he was, he was like hundred percent that dude, you know. So rest well. And also, man, everybody has been a buzz, heartbroken, teary-eyed about the 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 passing of Chadwick Boseman. Man, he's like, he yo, it was, it's crazy. First off, it's crazy that like he was, he was able to hide you know, having colon cancer from the public for four years, battling it for for over four years, that means, like, his, his group of, his family, his inner circle is tight, you know, loyal, so that they wouldn't, you know, leak that out to anybody. Like, that's crazy to even think, man. Like, like, this is a dude who, who took his, he was, like, the perfect example of why representation matters he moved in a way in his life and work that inspired so many to try to live out their dreams beyond what the world tries to hold them back from like his cultural impact was heavy where people will continue to fight for their own civil rights and the rights of others you know so like their representation can matter also and even when dying, he still breathed life into roles that mattered, on screen and off. And we were so much better to to have the work that Chadwick Boseman brought in. You know, he was Black Panther, James Brown, Jackie Robinson. I mean, he played these roles. And he, he there's more roles that, you know, stuff that he just finished up, you know. He, and... He illuminated. He he made these figures, whether they're fictitious like Black Panther, or somebody like you know James Brown or Jackie Robinson, and illuminated those, those those beings. Into something that, you know, young kids can look up and be like, "Yo, that's me," you know, like, uh, he he. He was that it guy, you know that made things made the you know made things just important and he lived that he lived that on screen and off screen you know so that's why you know it it's such a painful painful death you know and but you know what we what we can learn from this is that, yes, representation matters, and that we, you know, we shouldn't stop fighting for that, you know, and, um, like I said, man, this world was much better because of your, uh, contributions, Chadwick, so rest well, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, and, uh, besides that... Uh, please go uh, check out my other uh, podcast, Renaissance Soul. Uh, it's my Detroit history podcast. Been getting good reviews for it, good ratings, good uh, feedback. I'm really having a fun time doing that. Um, I'm also on a daily basis over on the uh, Renaissance Soul um, Instagram page, which is Ren Soul Podcast. I'm doing the post of the day, and and what I'm usually doing is just grabbing something from a Detroit artist, past or present that I own, C D vinyl, cassette, whatever, and uh do it making a little post about it, giving some information, a little feedback, a little recognition for those. Um some of those I would love to do full episodes on in the in the future. Um but you know, please go ahead and uh you know, if you haven't already just go to uh, you know, Instagram.com slash uh run soul podcast there's also the link on there to um you know where you can listen to the run soul the renaissance soul podcast and also you can always check freshethepodcast.com for uh, more information about the renaissance soul podcast so uh without further ado let's uh get into my interview with marian sassy after a word from our sponsor welcome back to the Fresh of the word podcast and like always we have the freshest of guests for you my guest for uh, this episode is meriem Sassi. she is a soulful singer songwriter and mc based out of montreal but she was raised in algeria and we'll definitely get into that and she has a new ep out it's called all in that was just released a few months ago and it is fantastic how you doing today
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on and um, welcoming me into your podcast universe. And big shout out for you saying my and pronouncing my name, right? So I'm doing great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just learned how to say it. So
1: Killing it. I'm glad
0: glad I I'm glad I was able to execute it properly. That's right. (laughs) So like I was telling you before we were recording, I you know, I recently came across your music you know, through one of the um you know, the Bandcap Fridays that they do uh, recently where the um, you know, they uh give all the artists they waive the revenue fees, you know. Um and a mutual friend of ours, Jesse, he um he had a listing of Canadian artists who had Bandcamp pages. So I was going through there and yours really stuck out and I was just like, yo, this is yo, this is fresh, you and it's like the EP had just dropped at that time. And I was like, uh, and then I started, then I started looking into, you know, who you were and everything. And I'm like, oh, she's a refugee from Algeria. And I'm like, yo, this is like a really cool story. And Mm -hmm. the EP was just amazing. So I was like, yo, I gotta, you know, I gotta hook up with her, man, get her on the show and talk Mm -hmm. to her about things, you know? So there's a lot to talk about, but like, you know, first off, like, you know, how you doing these days? You know, we're in this crazy pandemic. And uh, you have a new EP out. Like, how are you doing?
1: Um, hey, I am doing a, a lot of ways, okay? I feel like the slogan for me has been one day at a time.
0: I think that's how everybody is.
1: <laughs> like, we're all out here just holding it down until we can't hold it down anymore. So,
0: um, yeah, then we got to take a little break and be like, yo, let me, let me reset. Yo, I just had a couple of weeks of that where I'm like, you yo, know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't, I I can't feel right now. Right?
1: <laughs> it's weird, man. It's like, I went through so many phases when, when, um, confinement hit, I had just been back home after three months out of the country for literally two weeks. So I, was, I felt really blessed to be back home at that time. And my mother was also back home at the same time because for literally the first time in our 20 years in Canada, we left uh, during winter time at the same time. Although I was in Morocco, she was in Algeria. I was on a contract, she was visiting. We were kind of gone both at the same time. And it was that fear of uh, being stuck, right? And not making it back on time and all of that stuff. And we didn't realize how hard it was gonna hit back then we were aware of everything going on in China but we didn't realize how it's gonna reach us on on the western hemisphere so yeah um, we felt very blessed at first like because it could have been worse um you know my mom is like 73 years old and like there was so many elements to consider when you don't know what you're dealing with
0: oh yeah, yeah
1: and so yeah as it went along I think I had this crazy drive at the beginning because I was in the momentum of coming back and Having a few shows, I was about to go to South by Southwest, I was literally like, yes. just about to leave, I booked my ticket, I- Ready to
0: go, man, you're like, back home, I'm ready.
1: Also, 2020 was lined up to look so good, <laughs> I was having Right, so man,
0: because and- your EP is slamming, and I'm just like, oh, Thank I know you. she, I know, I know she was ready to go start killing it, with this <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: I was so ready. Oh, man. And I was excited, and I was finally getting funding, and I was finally being able to do things in a way that's easier to handle, right, for all of us as artists and all musicians, right? So I lined up a crazy 2020, and the first thing that got canceled in the wave of domino effect of cancellations was South by Southwest.
0: Oh, that's like a gut punch. You're like, oh, man, yo
1: i'm telling you man and i was just devastated in a in the sense that i didn't know what it entailed what it meant i already booked the tickets you know what i'm saying like i didn't have the money to be out here just like canceling flights and whatnot and so and i didn't know how a pandemic if it's a it's a force majeure like did they refund you these things whatever right yeah so those details running out of money literally like trying to invest everything you have in this showcase and then you just literally put together all your money to make videos to release your ep so i was literally on the mm, survival tip so i pretty much got to a point where i decided that you know what i'm not gonna stop i'm not just gonna like give up Took me a minute to reassess and also I had that little face like why me until I found out it was all
0: of us. Everybody was like why me and they were like it's all (laughs) of us. Uh, What are we supposed to do? I don't know. (laughs) It was just so weird. It's like we're all on the Titanic and
1: it's about to sink like what the hell. Right. So. And you thought somebody got it better than you? No, we all going through it, man. And so, because it was the first festival being canceled, I didn't see it as you know a global thing. I was just thinking, of course, it had to be the thing I worked for to be canceled. Everything else is still gonna happen. And then next thing you know, one thing after the next, one thing after the next. That's when your mind really like just loves to play the victim of for no reason, you know. And that's when life was just like the next day, or like two days later. Get away with yourself. Everybody's going through it, so breathe in, breathe out, and you're going to have to figure out another plan as (laughs) usual.
0: (laughs) So, so, our because okay, here in here in the states, we're stuck. We can't go nowhere. We can't go to any other country right now. Um, (laughs) What can what can you guys do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. when confinement hit i so did not know how deep this was gonna go and i didn't realize that for two months i didn't even get out of my hood because we were locked in like we were literally in, no traveling no nothing i had friends that got stuck i had others that flew out in emergencies i had family friends that literally were supposed to leave couldn't so there was all of this happening at the same time um and so I just not knowing what was going on and trying to follow. And I'm somebody, you know, like, I won't lie. I'm not somebody that eats up mainstream media. Like, right. I don't I've, I don't have a TV at home. I'm one of those folks, you know? So I'm out here looking for all my alternative research. But I'm also on the side of if you don't know yet, you know, you can't be out here acting. You know better because one research told you one thing, right? So yeah.
0: What was, what was going on in Algeria when you left?
1: A civil war. I believe it was the first trends of what you guys knew as 9-11. So we had um, a coup d'etat in 88 in order to uh, maintain the power out of the hands of extreme Uh, what they call themselves, fundamentalist Muslims. So it was in a way um, a time where there was a lot of corruption going on in the government. We had independence from the French people after like years and years and years of fighting. And then finally, when we had the independence, we went through some glory years and eventually corruption took over. And it was uh, a time for change and pretty much the the islamic front was leading and people were following more their lead and when they got majority vote the military did a coup d'etat to make sure that they didn't actually take the presidency so that declared war and therefore um, they there was an armed fraction of that mili- that islamic front a political front <clears throat> that became like a military faction i called the the in English, I don't know what it's called, but in French it's Gia, And um, they started pretty much um, opening fire and declaring war on the um, political powers that were in position, the military, the intellectuals, everybody that kind of like was going against or for the coup d'etat, right? So in that sense, they created a civil war that... um, the people ended up suffering the most as the pawns because you don't even know who's against you, the government or the rebels. Um, but the rebels would be the equivalent of what we know today as like, uh, ISIS or Taliban or, um, Al Qaeda, you know? So I think they were in that era of when Al Qaeda was being financed and, um, trained and so there were different places where they were having training camps and they got to the Algerian sections eventually and that created all of that so it created uh, a bunch of uh, bombings kidnappings um there was a lot of um murders all the time and it was just a very we call it the Black Decade, but I guess it was just a, a very weird, interesting time to grow up in because I had a mixture of a crazy, almost deadly, childhood, but also something super exciting and beautiful as well. You know, like okay. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy I got to live my childhood there and childhood there. You know, yeah. and and then to have experienced my culture in that way and to have experienced my people in that way so uh, other what was, than that what was like
0: the best things about your culture that you really like like you know it really sticks out in your mind still that you really love to celebrate
1: um, okay so at that time I didn't even realize it was like our culture or whatever um, but what I really liked in was the livelihood how everybody's um I don't know how to explain it even though it was like mostly a men's world and women who were limited a lot on going out and stuff like that um it's like a community living you know yeah. that you don't really get here in in the west like here's more of an individualistic type of lifestyle yeah so there was more of a community feeling and a belonging and um at that time growing up you know i I wasn't like the most traditional kid either like we we had like a crazy I had a crazy dysfunctional upbringing but in the end of it I uh, connected the most with I think what I the spirit of Algerians like what what makes us who we are I guess in the context of that energy you know because everybody is super unique and different and I'm not in any way trying to to be like we're all the same but there's there's a spirit to that space especially at that time where I was growing up in the neighborhood I was at you know um but essentially what I cherish as memories are times at the beach you know like um the times with my family the the all the like uh, holidays the you know the whole the, the the religious holidays that we had um were always like moments that I valued a lot I had um I had a crazy upbringing, so a lot of things is a bit weird to explain to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I appreciated things that were, um, I don't know how to say it, like just things in the food, you know, Um, the music that I didn't even know I was going to appreciate so much later. But the fact that I grew up around it, I'm super happy I was able to connect with that so viscerally and even though when i was younger i was all into hip-hop and r and um i still bathed in elements of my culture unknowingly that would really influence me later you know so yeah yeah so there's there's a lot of things i think the solidarity of the people is what i miss the most there was this sense of solidarity that i don't think i felt anywhere but i think that's why crazy hardships and war torn atmospheres would bring because we were like in ghettos poverty was already a problem like you don't have running water electricity cuts off all the time yeah uh, coaches all over the building like you just you know so in the end of it there's a lot of things that you kind of like have more in common and you live through things like whether it's like a natural disaster or just the reality of, of the hood you know um but in the end there was yeah there was this feeling of being home as messy and as imperfect that, um, I value a lot, you know, because ever since that day, I never really felt home 100% anywhere, you know, like ever since those days in a way, um, How I did you really eventually
0: like, get out? Like, what was the, what was the plan when you finally left?
1: What was the plan? <laughs>
0: Or how did it, how did it how did you execute it? You know how did you get out?
1: Okay, uh, it's a crazy story, but we uh, originally were supposed to leave to my father, uh, who had gone um, to Canada before us, and he made it through there somehow, um, some way, and ended up getting refugee status and. Um, starting his own residency. And then he was able to bring his family and all that. Thing is that I didn't really grow up with my father and there clearly wasn't solid enough. So he didn't end up kind of fulfilling that part himself with getting us out of the country. Um, So we ended up having to flee the country, my mother and I. So we had to find a way to get out and Uh, we did that and we went through crazy hoops and (laughs) and we ended up um, getting fake passports to enter into Canada and so we made it and then we had the plan of asking for refugee status right away and and tell them what happened so that's what we did and um we got really blessed we had a a legal aid because obviously we didn't have any money to get a lawyer or anything like that so we get a legal aid and at that time why canada was also because they have they have a program for refugees and newcomers that is the most human version that exists out there from what i've seen in in, in other research but i was like 13 right yeah 13 and a half about um i think like yeah i was about 13 when it happened so it's not like i had much of a say um i just went along with the plan and i played my role and i did what i had to do but essentially we went to court and we got we went to court like six months after we arrived. So we had already had the opportunity to get installed, have access to food banks, went registered to school and my mom already had the right to try and find a job, you know? So it was, and we, didn't even have paperwork yet. We just had submitted our request to be, to get asylum, you know? So honestly on that tip, Canada, shout out. Um, (laughs) It was pretty much like a blessing to be able to have that opportunity to seek refuge in a place that did have some humanity left you know um and it's crazy to think that knowing now everything i know about how the the native canadians and the first nations are essentially living and treated here it's like a crazy cognitive dissonance sometimes to be like as a refugee i got better service and more support you know than a native person to the land it's crazy yeah
0: yeah it's crazy like
1: to live with sometimes you know
0: yeah it's crazy like i um all my life i've you know i've always um you know taking trips to canada or to to toronto i love going to yeah. toronto it's like my like second my- home my favorite place to go and just like it's some it's a place that i absolutely love i love all the I just the feel of it the people of it and then but at the same time when you when you when you hear the the history of canada and like the treatment of their indigenous people you're like how did that happen and how does that continue to still happen in this country where i go into and i feel like this amazing energy
1: <laughs> for real there's something yeah there's something crazy about it too it's like these moments happen to me like a glitch in the matrix man it's like i be i when we went to nunavut iqaluit and that's like in the north you know yeah and it's uh, Inuit um, people that live there. And, yo, man, that trip fucked with me for a minute. First of all, there was like 22 hours of sunshine. And then there was like a two-hour sunset and the sun rises again.
0: Yo. Right. So, <laughs> it was
1: right. summertime, by the way. And I still had a winter jacket on, but it was summertime.
0: Yeah, yeah. So,
1: I, was, um, I was really impressed by just... Everything I saw there, just the fact that it's like a desert in the north, it's like it was crazy to me. Um, but what 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 was pretty intense for me to notice was the reality of the Inuit people, the shacks, the fact that they were coming to beg in the hotels. Um, it was just crazy, man. The water bottle was sixteen dollars. Like, like it was the prices were insane. And I had to understand the economy that works there and why things are so expensive because, you know, it's hard. Like, they have to get containers and blah, blah, blah. And it's super far and it's complicated. And so they get people from outside to come and work there and they get paid amazingly because there's no other reason why you would want to live there, I think, because it's like minus 51 in the winter. Like, it's crazy. And so it's not for everybody and it's not for the weak of heart. So at least not for me, because I get scold. Okay, so <laughs> like I saw, like, I saw like a whole crew of Ethiopians. I'm like, How are you surviving this? Please tell me the secret. I saw uh, crews of like Filipinos. I was like, Y'all, this is next level.
0: You're doing this. Like, respect. Filipinos, they usually like it like way too hot,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, any Africans. Or, or South Asians, or in any way, somebody from the heat able to survive this, but you guess what? I survived Canada and needing security and safety will make you survive anything. If, right. you, can... <laughs> if you can make the money, pay the bills, send it back home, you'll survive anything long as you can survive. Okay, so this is what it is. Um, I was just impressed by the diversity I saw there, the amount of people I saw that they were like we get this type of revenue and all of that stuff and in, in contrast all the inuits it was like holy tardy bro it was tough you know to understand the reality to understand the challenges to understand the prices to understand how things are exploited and all of that i just man it's like the hidden face of canada man yeah it's you, could, you get to see it in other places, like in Calgary, sometimes like in Alberta, Manitoba, and in certain places, you're just like, yo, I get to connect with it. And even northern places of Quebec, but it's not always in your face. And everybody is used to seeing uh, folks on the streets um, begging for money. But like, I can't be at peace with that, man. Like, it's like, never gonna, I'm never going to be at peace with that. It's weird, man in the city whether it's montreal and then to go out there and see that it's like man i don't know something's got to give something has got to give it's been way too long this is way too sad and it's just too wrong and i don't know what the answers um that are so hard to be applied so far like why so much resistance uh to applying what needs to be applied to ensure a certain dignity and a certain restoration um And access and opportunity and all of that stuff, you know, just God, man, things need to change so, so expediously, like Tia would say, (laughs) that it's crazy to me that we're just not exposed to it enough to understand the gravity of it. Right, right, right. And it's just normalized, you know, and it reminds me of how I grew up in a war-torn country for over like almost 12 years and it was just normalized. Like we were still living, we were still going to school, man. We we're still going to grocery store. Oops, whoop, well, there's a bomb in the grocery store. You know, like, oh, okay, somebody lost a life. Some, you know, up. Uh, we oh. just got it. Like, boom, up. No more water. I okay. You know, like things like you normalize. You get. We humans are so adaptable, and it's crazy because that's when you find the strongest spirits. At least, in my opinion, sometimes in the toughest spaces, man. Because <laughs> that's really what you get. It's your spirit, like yeah. it's your mental strength, it's your, it's your community, it's a lot of things, but your spirit, man, it's like something else, like in places where you are just normalizing the worst, you know, and just having to live with it, and just adjusting with it, and it is what it is, man, and the levels of trauma being accumulated and compiled and <laughs> all of that stuff, so it's just... um there's definitely a level of resilience and beauty to, 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 to look back on and to, to, to appreciate today. Um, in, in terms of how people survive certain things, yeah. but it just reminded me how you normalize, we can normalize a lot of crazy shit. You know, we can normalize, and totally yeah. we can normalize dictatorships. We can normalize genocide. We can normalize erasing a whole country off the map. We can normalize, we can just get caught up and too busy with our own hamster wheel, trying to survive and trying to make it and trying to get where we need to get to, you know, to get, so we can get that comfortable space where we're aiming to potentially die at, you know? So it's like, it's interesting, you know, it's very interesting to see the parallels. And once again, back to the real question, what is the value of human life, man?
0: So once you, um, you know, once you're in Montreal, when did you, you know, and you're someone who grew up listening to hip hop and R and B, you uh, got influenced by your people's culture. Like, when does, when did you start, you know, really, you know, getting that itch to be like a music artist, you know? When did, when did that started to sort of, like, cultivate in your mind?
1: Plot twist, it always been there.
0: Always been there, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it definitely always been there. I have to say that if there's one thing that has been written upon my life is that music was going to be part of it. Singing was going to be part of it and it has been my ticket out of a lot of things, you know. Um I can tell you that I went through a few phases musically, but one thing for sure is that I wanted to be a singer. Like it was something I knew I started singing before I started talking when I was a kid. Like I just loved singing subconsciously, consciously like super early, you know? Yeah. And I was imitating very easily. I was in love with Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston super like fast. Like it was just clear to me, like that's what it is. It was, it was just like written upon, like it was written upon me that that's what it was.
0: When did you start for like taking it, you know, started to take it seriously?
1: Say, like, even as I said, like, back home in Algeria, like, it was something that, obviously, my interest was pursued there on the level of a hobby, but with the goal of potentially doing something in music. But when we moved, um, when we moved to Canada, the first thing I did was join a gospel choir. Okay. And then we joined a music school. Well, it's not a music school. It was a normal high school that had a music program as a, as an extra thing. And they did, like, musicals. Um so I was auditioning for that and I like got the first role the first year, um first time doing a musical, <laughs> you know, like it was just um something that I always always wanted to do, and it's the type of thing I didn't really get training for, and I just went for it, you know. Um, ever since I was small and um started writing songs when I was eight or nine, you know, one for my cousin and one for the absentee dad. And then it was just from there on, it was just clear to me that that was going to be part of my life. However, it did develop organically afterwards in the sense of my writing, even learning English through hip hop, all of that, you know. Um, My situation kind of like turned around because I started by joining a gospel choir. Uh, Shout out to the Haitian gospel choir, Nouvelle Génération. They adopted me like one of their own. Nice. And and they... um, and they made me even the soloist of of the choir at some point, you know. So I really grew up a lot with them, and I feel like gospel is like, man, that's the school for singing, man. It's just, at least if you love soul music or any any of that, like it's just the heart of it, like blues, R and B, you know, all of it is connected. So I was lucky to do that, and then I was doing the music in high school, right? Like I was, I was like having to play the clarinet, which I hated, <laughs> but I was just really trying to do the musical, to be honest. So yeah. I got to sing in the musical and uh, all of that stuff. So my interest and my, my passion for it was definitely there. And my seriousness about it kind of started early-ish. However, it became more professional at one point where I decided to, um, I gave up on the gospel choir because I couldn't do everything at the same time and that it was like too complicated. And then I finished high school, so I wasn't doing musicals anymore. And I started writing more and more of my music. I joined like a rap crew, and uh, I was like the singer of the rap crew. But it was still like I'm going to school, doing it on the side, figuring myself out, also like learning how to write myself more and literally learning English as I went along, you know? And so um, there were aspects of professionalism that, came in you know like I had done the Jazz Fest in my last my senior year of high school uh, because they have a segment for high schools you know so I had like tastes of it yeah Uh, my mom put me in like a contest or something you know like (laughs) things like I I hated that I never liked competition I never liked any of that because that's how I do it for and it never made sense to me in that sense but it's very competitive right artists in general like singers and all that so it's like it's like an interesting Path and journey to take when you follow this as a career yeah. to read things for yourself, you know. Um, but yeah, so I just pretty much think my mind was very much set that my music will, will become my career or part of my careers. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the time I was still studying, I did real estate. Um, I had said like I had gotten um, a degree in in, a com- in college in commerce, and I went into political science in university. But in the meantime, I decided to do a certificate in, in real estate because I was always, like, I need to have businesses running to make money so I can finance my music career if I don't want to be, like, um, if I don't want to have to depend on a baby day. So it was just, like... But, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or, like, somebody that has to invest and tell me what to do, how to do it, and all of that stuff. Because I saw how I peeped game when I was a teenager and people trying to get me into different weird things. So I was just like, I can't wait till I have my own money and I can do my own thing. Ah, you know? So I was That's just like, I do. didn't want to be trolled by no old weird dude. Yeah. And so it was just, like, a mindset that I had, on especially coming out of that rap crew and all of that stuff, I was just way too stubborn you know to to be part of a girl band or to, to do any of that any of that stuff at the time so I pretty much was just minded to like figure out ways to make money but I also was responsible for my family really really young you know so like I started working fast after I got here like when I was 14 I got my first job and um by 18 I was the one paying for everything pretty much you know and like by 21 I got my building and that's it you know like it was just like I had to make moves very, very young to survive, but also because whenever there was an opportunity, I tried to seize it based on like a vision that I saw that could make sense in the long term. So I saw real estate as something that was very um, legit and valuable. So since my friends were dealing drugs, I was like, I'm a hustle cribs. <laughs> it's legit. Right. And I can still make big money without having to work hourly. Wages, you know, Um, but no, but I was just in the mindset of I have to do what I got to do. And um, so I worked a lot, man, I worked like crazy. And so I I did music. And I did take it seriously. And I did join the band nomadic massive when I was like 18. Um, But I was still very minded into, you know, going to school and, and having some kind of something to fall back on if music didn't work out and trying to find ways to finance. To be independent financially so i don't have to be selling out in no way (laughs) so (laughs) i tried to aim for that but i just didn't realize how hard it was gonna get to try to do all do it all at the same time like go to school in political science work as a real estate yeah and broker be part of two groups like you know so i had to start cutting things off and focus more seriously on what i needed to focus on so i pushed into the real estate career uh stopped the political science, um, because I was financing my studies as well. And I was seeing that that was a dead end. And the more I was learning about politics, the less I wanted to be in it. (laughs) Like, I want to know, and I want to have a bird's eye view and a bird's eye understanding, but damn, I hate this world. (laughs) I I feel like I think I had aspiration of public relations, of international relations, and even like thinking to work for the UN and all types of stuff, like international ambassadorship, all types of things in my mind. But that went to drain and I understood how the game plays out. So I uh, I did do it, you know, and I was a stellar student, but I had to cut it before the end. Too bad, I wish I just finished it. But it's, it's okay, it is what it is. It wouldn't have led me anywhere. anyway. So <laughs> um, I just pretty much uh, went in and decided to do Nomadic Massive, um, so I joined a band that was bomb and inspiring for me. And um, we got to like tour and do a bunch of stuff, travel a lot, all independent for the most part. So we broke ahead and faces a lot and also enjoyed a lot of things that we had the freedoms to do and all that. So it was really cool to grow in that circle. Yeah. And, um, and at the same time to be able to secure a certain level of life, you know, um, my family on the side you know so it was just like i was able to manage it uh for a minute both of them having both Matt hats on like music real estate by day music by night all the days and all of that it was uh cool but then it was just a crazy world it's like both businesses that require you to be like seven days a week 24 hours devoted <laughs> uh, and um and real estate is like a gamble and so everything in life is energy too you know so two years ago, I decided to just take a leap of faith and do this music thing 100%. Um, independently, of course, at this point, you know. Um, but yeah, so I just been... I I guess I've been serious about it. I've been going about it professionally in a way, but I was just never like 100%. I was always like one foot in, one foot out. Um, so yeah, even in my band, you know, like we all wanted to make it our priority, but everybody had mouths to feed and, you know, jobs to keep and all that stuff. So none of us were 100%, but honestly, we did amazing for not being 100% uh, and all of the other things to do on the side. But I just decided that, you know what, I'm going to put all this energy into figuring it out and this music thing um, and give myself a chance, man. It's been too long that I've been dreaming of making this my life, you know? And so that's it. It's been two years now. And uh, I released a few projects, and uh, had some cool collabs, and exciting shows, all of that. But man, I'm still like a toddler right now.
0: Yeah, a couple a couple years ago, you uh, you released uh, on my way, and then uh, this year you uh, repl- um, re- released uh, all in. Like, what's your you know what's your thought? Pro- pro- you know, what do you think? right now, you know, looking back at that first leap as a solo artist and like what, you know, what did that teach you going into making this new uh, EP?
1: <laughs> it really taught me the title <laughs> to go all in. Um, yeah, it was, it was really um, a catalyst, I guess, you know like it was just feeling like um, life brought me to that moment where I've been wanting to take that leap for a minute and I was waiting for the perfect time to do it. And so I waited for the worst time to do it and did it. And so it was just like, okay, I know that this might not be the best time, but it's now or never. And um, it definitely it definitely was a trip. It was a, like a transitional period. And um, it helped. Uh, it helped me kind of like have a little bit of freedom to explore my sound a little bit more, even outside the band as a solo artist, all of that stuff. <laughs> um it gave me an opportunity to define myself as an artist um a little bit more and uh, give myself permission to 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 create you know and 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 to do this a little bit more full-time um so it was interesting I learned a lot of stuff um beyond just writing the music and inspiring the music like I learned so much more about how to get financing and to to wear so many hats behind the scenes to like release projects and all of that stuff you know so it's been a huge learning curve that I'm very very grateful for um but it's it's like an an understatement it's a roller coaster and a half you know and so (laughs) it inspired in many ways um some titles in my project you know in many songs there is like a either whether it has a like one layer of like a love song in a way for me, it always has like a second or third layer of meaning. Right. So for example, like the song itself, all in, I take it figuratively as in me diving all in into my heart, you know, not just into a relationship, but into honoring my heart, honoring what uh, it's, it's yearning for and trusting it and, and kind of like, Like it's almost like you're trusting in life, you're trusting in yourself, you're trusting in a gift, you're trusting in a vision, you're trusting in a dream, you're giving yourself permission to say, Hey, I can try and work on this vision that I have and make it work, like and make it happen, like this dream may be able to come true, you know? And I have to define it on my own terms. Maybe it's possible, you know? And After so many years, you get very jaded, you know, and you get very confused and you don't know, especially if you've been independent for a long time and you haven't done it for the reasons that would lead you into stardom in a way, because you haven't thought or tried to push for certain things in a way. You're just kind of in your vibe and your music making and the community and into the moment and not really being too businessy about it or too promotey about it, all of that stuff, you know, and things just genuinely happening. And then at one point you kind of have to start getting super business about things and super strategic and you know uh, try to push for it like a machine, you know, but you're not a machine. So it was just like a learning experience between staying creative, staying connected to my heart, while having my big old biz brain going off on some like what needs to be done and the the time and the the funds and the grand writings and. The, 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 the marketing, the releases and all of that, you know, and it's just like that drains and sucks so much out of you, you know, but I was just kind of embracing it as in like, instead of doing real estate, I'm doing that, you know, and so I just, I got very much inspired into having time to process things and be able to explore new ways to create and under my terms, I guess. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, it was cool, it was cool. It definitely um, inspired like songs like Hustler, where I like talk about the yearning to thrive. I'm tired of being on survival mode, you know, and it's this idea of feeling like if I don't stop, like I have to keep going, I have to keep going because if I stop, everything stops and I'm gonna die and all of that stuff. And it's like this hustle culture, this nonstopness, this idea of feeling like I'm always needing to catch up. Um always late sometimes I need to you know uh, have some type of like neo t- downloading machine where I can <laughs> just like like learn a new skill overnight you know right, and
0: right.
1: yeah I can't keep up man and at the same time how can you keep up while you're consistently running and you don't take time to actually breathe in and sit with yourself and allow yourself to process things so you can express them and do what you're supposed to be doing which is create and make music
0: you know yeah, when it's all said and done, and you have this, you know, EP finished, you know, what was sort of like your thoughts about it after it's done? Did you accomplish the things that you wanted to get out?
1: Oh uh, no, I just felt like the, it just felt like um, a continuation of my journey of discovery. You know, like on my way, I called it a mixtape because to me, it's, it for many people it's an album. I mean, it is what it is to whoever at this point, it's out there. But for me, it's a mixtape because it's like a mix of sounds that. I accumulated and wrote in like a couple of you know years and then came together within a six month period with different collabos against all odds, you know? So it's not like a thought out project, how I would make or think of an album to be, but it was just more like, I need to come out with things. I need to come out with my flavors. I have these songs and I want to put them out. So I didn't think too much about, you know, um, like what box I fit in and all of that stuff. I just did the thing and I had that freedom of exploring who I am and and playing with it, you know? So I came out with that project as like an introduction. And so for me, this EP was like the sequel, which is a continuation on the path that I've been on. And which is for me, um, the, the discovery of my Sonic universe and telling my story and the stories that inspire me and how you know like just give a piece of my lenses to the world you know yeah yeah um i feel like that's gonna be an ongoing journey of growth as i keep growing within this world right
0: yeah so i think I've... I think this i think all in was a great uh you know step forward for you you know um and it's, it's a, like you were able to show off a lot in in those songs you know even you know even your rapping skills you know and and singing and songwriting it was like such a yeah you were i I feel like you really successfully found like a sonic space that you're comfortable in and that's what i really got from it you know
1: word wow that's cool that's cool that you felt that because to me that was like the the continuation of my exploration of it you know but it felt more more condensed like more um
0: like focused
1: more focused yeah like a more coherent in many ways um and i'm like having like a clear direction i guess of uh, of the signature that i wanted to share and so
0: what do you was- hope to, that people listening your audience get out of like th- this journey that you're going on you know with these you know these mixtapes these eps you know where you're finding where you're going through this journey even just finding yourself
1: Hey, which is which is keeps going to be honest, because some people know me as an MC, other people know me as an R&B singer. Um, Other people see me as this like, hype Afro beat, jungle beat like, (laughs) and so it was so interesting to like be like, hey, yeah, I can do do all of this because like literally I can't pick one and um, I love all of this. So I'm put it out into one project. That was the first project in a way like me just exploring whatever I wanted to explore. But essentially to be like, oh, this is my sound or this is my signature. Like it's a trip because some people know it's me or they recognize that it's me um, no matter what I do, you know, and they kind of like go along with it and they fucking with all of it. Whether I'm singing in French one day, whether I'm rapping <laughs> the next, whether, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nineties boom beat or a big old trap beat. Like it's just, Whether I'm singing or not, like whether I'm doing something more traditional or like more reminiscent of my culture, whether it has like fusion flavors, you know, I just feel blessed sometimes to be like, yo, my people are open-minded, man. (laughs) They just write. And so I think that also been laid out as a ground with my band as well, because my band does a lot of those type of fusion sounds. And we like sing and rap in literally five to six languages. So... Montreal is prone to that type of, that type of open-mindedness, I guess, and and being down with it. It was just cool to see that the rest of the world can fuck with it too, you know. But yeah, I definitely feel like within my band we had like the hip hop as a strong denominator, but I didn't, I didn't explain yet, everybody, what was my strong denominator. Like I had to still, it's like allow me to reintroduce myself, you
0: know. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um just kind of like digging deeper towards where I really, really want to manifest because it's all here. It's all in my mind. It's all in my head. It's on my ears. It's all in my head space, in my energy field. But to translate it out, it's tough and to find right. the right people to do it with. And I feel like sometimes like I do have some things that I'm lacking, like the fact that I can't. I'm not mastering an instrument per se, you know, although I taught myself how to beatbox enough to like mimic the beat that I want and like sing the parts that i want and things like that but it's just beautiful when you find the people that help you translate your ideas and growth. yeah there's
0: there's a lot of people that are like that like in big bands that they don't know yeah. how to play an instrument but they know what they want to hear so they'll be like and they'll like and somebody in their band will be like oh okay and you're like hey
1: that's it or the, or the beauty that I experienced thanks to my band is that we had some producers that ended up picking up an instrument after, but they were producers first, oh, okay. you know, like drummer was a rapper and then he beatboxed and then he made beats and then he picked up the drums. <laughs> so it's Interesting, you know, like and it was because we needed a drummer. And, uh, you know, so and we have um, we have somebody else in the band who's mostly a producer but he acts to be a great musical director for the life band, you know, because he knows how it's supposed to sound. You know? So it's, it's cool. We have all these facets and these hats and ways of translating our sounds to each other, even though we don't have like the right terminology or the right word or um, the schooling behind it and all of that stuff. And so we were able to kind of organically connect and communicate like that because truly music is the universal language. Goddamn. But, um, that vibe, you know, vibes don't lie, even if it's not perfect, if it's not polished, you know. That's the best stuff,
0: you know, it doesn't, it needs to be dirty, it needs to be organic, you know.
1: (laughs) There's something about it, and it encapsulates, you know, that time space, that time period, and that energy at that time, so it was really cool to have that experience with my band, which gave me more confidence to do it on my own, right, and to connect with other musicians, and other producers, and all of that stuff, that were able to understand my crazy brain, and go with it or propose me some dope beats and allow allow me to play with them and add things and all that stuff and so that's it like it's just a I think it's a journey and the people that I meet also help shape the sounds that I end up exploring more more of you know and uh, I'm somebody who played a lot along what was given to me like the beats that will be provided to me but my universe shifts when I could create my own stuff you
0: know oh yeah definitely definitely
1: it's like, I don't just have to adapt to the beat that I'm hearing. I can literally create the sound that I'm hearing in my head, <laughs> the song from it, like, bro. Uh, so it was great. Um, so in that process, I think that's... And All In was dope because of that, because there was like a clearer direction in, in, in terms of the sound to dig for. And even though it had more of like a, a 90s R&B feel in certain songs or whatever, like there was there was just elements that I wanted to explore. And I still feel like it's just... I'm just at the tip of the iceberg, you know? We're we're just about with the substance, you know? I'm just exploring a little bit and trying to figure out that box finally. Because it's it's so interesting when you can't fit a specific box to understand eventually that you kind of either got to create your own box or polish and refine your sound enough for it to still have your authentic touch that fits whatever box that already exists, you know? Right, right. Um, but, yeah, it's just that beautiful balance of, of serving the the authenticity of the art.
0: Yeah, as we want things down here, I always like to ask this question to people. Um, and you, you've had this very interesting life, and, you know, I've really enjoyed, you know, hearing, you know, everything about it. Um, what sort of a nugget of knowledge a lesson that anybody listening to this interview doesn't matter where they come from the avenue of artistry you know what their background is they could sort of project into their own life something that you've experienced
1: Uh, it's so crazy because I can share my experiences or things like that but I never feel like I'm in a position you know to like give a general advice, you know, I feel like everything is so unique in their own way. But I think for me, what I can maybe say is that, okay, what helped me a lot into pushing through barriers that felt unattainable, because I still struggle with it. It comes in waves, you know. Sometimes I have to remember that I went through worse in order to have the strength to go through whatever it is now, um, is like don't, don't underestimate the value of experience, you know, the value of um, integrity and what it truly means to you. So for me, what I've understood is that everything depends on the meaning you give it, you know, and the power you give it. So whether you're in a position of adversity, right, is how you see yourself in it and how you see yourself out of it that is gonna make the difference. And so for me, it's like no matter what had happened, the things that helped me was to be able to keep that in mind in a way of like not feeling like I'm the victim of anything or the victim of my circumstances or anything like that in order to be able to keep it pushing but also to give myself permission to dream bigger Yeah, and to believe that I can go further than um, the limitation presented to me right now or whatever it is that I'm going through, you know? Um, So things shift and change a lot and sometimes your definition of success changes, your definition of freedom changes, your definition of happiness changes, and that's okay. You really truly got to seek into what it truly means to you and align yourself with that and adjust accordingly, because otherwise, it's not even worth it, bro. Like, it it could get so rough, man. It could get so, so rough. So, for me, that's the type of things that are helping me move forward in any way, kind of, like, aspect of life, you know? But especially when it comes to music and the idea of taking a leap of faith and the idea of, like, believing enough to be like, oh, my God, I'm going to break my face, but... You know, let me give myself a chance and, you know, all of that stuff. So it's crazy because I had thoughts of myself that I was, like, fearless and I went through worse and I can, you know, I can conquer anything if I made it this far. I used to think like that, not realizing what it is like to be in the trenches of another type of struggle, you know, and um, and and how this world and this industry works and also how being an artist truly unfolds (laughs) and what it truly means to you what are you after what are you chasing you know do you want fame or do you want something else do you want you know what kind of mark you want to leave behind is that what matters to you you know um what kind of sound what kind of staple what kind what do you what do you want to be truly you know the real questions that you have to ask yourself at every phase of life but sometimes you can get caught up in the mix you can get caught up in the trends you can get caught up into views and likes and all of that you know so I can always bring it back to it's one of my favorite artists. He has a song that is like, I do it for the love and I do it for the light. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like about always remembering why you're doing what you're doing and why you're, you know, like if you're forgetting why you're alive, man, it's just don't underestimate the value of the experiences and and remembering important things, you know, and putting things in perspective and priority and that as long as you're breathing, it's worth it, you know?
0: Awesome. So, yeah.
1: That's what's up.
0: Awesome. It's been great talking with you. Thank you. Amazing stories. Um before we get out of here, where can people go online to get more information about you and you know check out your music?
1: You can uh check me out anywhere under Miriam Sassy, pretty much all social media. (laughs) M-E-R-Y-E-M-S-A-C-A. <laughs> so that's the name and uh, the website as well, Um, About to come out with some merch, but I released um, the EP about, I think, I don't know, where are we at now? It's already been two months.
0: Yeah, it's been,
1: yeah. What the hell? So, okay, it's been two months, but the EP is still fresh out the oven. And uh, because I, I, I don't get to tour it this year, I've been doing some live streams and so, so there's a few available on YouTube and, and IG, but uh, we're going to keep it going with more, uh, I guess, uh, virtual contributions soon. And <laughs> I'm already working on new music, but all social medias, I'm mostly active on IG though, but that's where we at, Miriam Sassy. All right. Thank, Thank you for, for uh,
0: being on the show.
1: I appreciate you, and it was really fun talking to you. I, um, I hope we get to connect some other time, and some other way maybe when I get to finally come to Detroit for a show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. fresh Fraser, and powered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at I am Iamsteveo.bandcamp.com And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh is the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshisthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the Word.